You're listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. Thank you. I was going to say, I don't even know if I need to preach anymore. I think we can just altar call and let's go, huh? Right? <laughs> Real quick, I just want to say on behalf of the staff, I mean, we, we honor you. We love you guys as well. I mean, our, our staff, I couldn't say thank you enough. Um, it's funny because I, I knew I was coming up after, after you guys, and I just wrote two words down because I didn't, you know, I'm like, I know it's going to take some time, so I just want to throw a, a, my two cents in. Um, you know, with Chris, it always takes a little bit of time. Just kidding. Um, but but uh, my two words, the first one was passion. And I think you guys saw that right here. I mean, the, the passion that they have for the Lord, the passion that they have for this church, for this house, for you guys, uh, it's, it's evident. And I just, I'm so honored to serve alongside of a team that is, is so passionate. It's to serve under leaders that, are, that are, hey, I'm gonna go after God with all my heart. And then, hey, let's go, let's go and do this thing. And the second word that I put down here was a servant. We serve under a leadership that has such a servant leadership. And uh, you'll know if you come throughout the week and, and you, you, you walk into this building, this house, you'll probably find Pastor Greg vacuuming somewhere. <laughs> he, he loves his vacuum. I mean, whenever you hear the vacuum going, it, our, it's kind of a joke with our staff. Like, you know, it's, it's Pastor Greg somewhere just vacuuming. So once again, just, just give it up for our, our leaders. We honor you guys today. Thank you. Love them. Yeah. So this morning... Um, just so excited as we, as we continue our week three of, of cause and effect, cause and effect. Um, just excited for, for what God is doing. Uh, what, what a privilege it is to be a part of this house. Uh, it, it's crazy because I was, I was preparing and getting ready for everything. Uh, I just began to get this anticipation and excitement uh, for what God was going to do because and we, we start, we, we're a part of a house that is alive, that has life. And, and you see it because of everything that, that God is doing and um, I, just, I just quickly want to, man, I, I love the opportunity to share with you guys because I love the opportunity to, to highlight what God is doing in our students. And I just wrote a few things down. Um, over the last couple of months, we've seen over 100 different students being a part of our Wednesday night services, coming in and hearing of, of what God is doing, which is, just, yeah, so, so awesome, so good. Um, we've seen 19 different students uh, accept Christ as your Savior in just the last couple of months. Like, we're seeing a life change. And the last thing, and I was so, so sad that we had to miss it because Ashley and I were on vacation. But two weeks ago, we saw six students uh, get baptized and, and declare publicly that their heart for the Lord. Um, and I, I say that to say, man, what a, what a privilege it is to be a, a part of a house that is alive. That, that, that you see God moving, you see God working, you see God, you see God doing what only He can do. And um, just so excited and, and so privileged to be a part of this house. Um, but like I said, Ashton and I, we were gone on vacation a couple weeks ago. And um, it's fun. I'll, I love going on vacation because I feel like you learn a little bit more about your spouse when you're away with them. Like your, your time is totally devoted to them. Um, so when we were on vacation last week or two weeks ago, one of the highlights, but also one of the biggest points of contention while we were camping or while we were on vacation was camping. I don't know if you've ever camped with maybe your family or your spouse, um, but it's always an interesting ride, like, and I should have known walking into this thing. Um, but it's funny because we went camping, and we, we found like the perfect spot 
like, this is going to be perfect. Like, it's a tent camping site. So, you know, we, we we're going to park, and then you've got about a half a mile of, of a walk to get into your site. And so, I mean, I, I had it all figured out. I had everything ready to roll. Like, we got there, and, I mean, we, we knew our duties. Like, we took a couple of wheelbars, uh, full, loads full of stuff. And um, she, she had all the food stuff. I had everything, like the, the tent and, like, the wood, you know, the fire stuff, the manly stuff, you know. <laughs> I had all that ready to go. And uh, we get down there, we get everything set up, we get everything all, all, all put together. And the last thing, the very last thing we had, we had to, to get going was our air mattress. Like, if I'm going to go camping, like, if I'm going to sleep in a tent, I'm going to be a little bit more comfortable. I'm going to have an air mattress, you know? Like, I'm going to have an air mattress. And this thing, this thing, it's nice. It's like this queen air mattress. It's, it's thick. Like, it's, it's perfect for camping. The only, the only holdback is, uh, you know, and I had it figured out, but, you know, it, it, we had to get a, an adapter for the car to, to plug it in and air it up. So we walk up our, our half mile, and we, we get this thing aired up. Like, I, I've got it ready to roll, and uh, we only got a few looks bringing it back to our campsite, you know, walking down with our, our queen air mattress. No, we were walking down, just a few funny looks. And uh, we get down there, and I look at the air mattress, then I look back at the tent, and I look at the air mattress, I look back at the tent, and I'm like, in my head, you know, I'm like, there's, there's no way this thing's going to fit in there. Like, how am I going to get this thing through the door? And, uh, I, and then Ashton says, hey, what, what are we going to do here? This isn't going to work. You know, and, and this is what everything that's, that's happening in my head. I look at her, and I'm like, oh, honey, I've got this. And so I began to shove, you know, and adjust, and shove some more, and adjust, and you know, shove some more. And then half, we get this thing halfway in, in, the, in the door, and all of a sudden I hear some ripping. I'm like, what is that? That's not good. So I quickly hop on in, you know, deflate the, the air mattress, and we, we come to find out that we're, we're ripping the side of the, the tent because, you know, we're trying to shove this massive air mattress in this tiny little tent. So then we, we had to go back to, you know, the car, and we had to tear down the tent, bring the air mattress to the car, put the air mattress in the tent, deflate it, <laughs> inflate the air mattress in the tent, bring the tent and the air mattress together, walking a half mile back to our campsite. To say we got a little bit more of a funny looks, that's an understatement. But I, I say it to say, man, I feel like I've arrived. I've come to start saying a phrase that I heard my dad say all the time growing up, honey, I've got this. Honey, I've got this. And, and if you're a man, if you're, and if, if you're married, you probably have said that phrase before. I would say it's probably the, the biggest excuse a man could have. Because when they say that phrase, they're always, they always know that you know, something's an issue and they probably don't have this. But they're reassuring their spouse like, hey, I've got this. I've got this figured out. And it's funny because when you talk about excuses... I always think back to even my college days, like, I feel like I was a pretty good procrastinator. Like, it's, you always find a good excuse to not do something if it's something that you really don't want to do. Maybe you don't feel like you have the tools to do it. Maybe you don't feel like you can do it, the abilities. Um, but, you know, I probably can't be the only one, right? Anybody else ever used an excuse before? Yeah, yeah, you've been there. Maybe, maybe you're looking you know, right dead on in the eyes of your spouse. Your spouse is pretty good at, at making excuses for things they don't want to do. You know, maybe the dishes or laundry or, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Maybe possibly, or your kids. Your, your kids are pretty good at excuses. Yeah, they, they, you've been there before. It's funny because whenever I think about excuses, I also think about my brother. Uh, whenever we do yard work growing up, 
it was always a thing where whenever we were going to do this, this yard work, it always it was a perfect time for him to need to go to the bathroom. You know, it was, it was, it was that time for him. Um, but it's funny because we've all been there. We've all used excuses. But here's the thing. I feel like we can become good at making excuses spiritually as well. It's one of those things where, man, it, it, you see it all throughout life. We see it in family. We, fe- we see it in our spouse. We see it in our kids. But it, it also comes out in our faith, our walk with the Lord as well. And so this morning, I felt like God was, was bringing me to just five different excuses we make when we're, when we're, when we're tasked with causing an effect. And uh, before we get there, I just want us to know and us to, to read it. In Matthew five fourteen. it says this. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And uh, to me, the most important word in, in that passage is the first word, you. Because it, it points to whoever is reading the passage. It points to every single individual. It gives us a task. And that's the thing that the first thing I want us to know this morning is that God has tasked you to cause an effect. He, he has given you a purpose. He's given you a reason for why you're here, the reason for why you're living. But just like we talked about before, the issue is that we're good at making excuses. We're, we're good at saying, hey, well, I don't know if I can do that. Or, hey, you know, we're, we're good at those excuses, even in our faith. So I'm going to talk through briefly just five excuses that I felt like God was highlighting to me of, of just common excuses that we make. Excuse number one, I'm too busy. I don't have time. We, we need to hurry up to do the next thing. My day is, is full. And the thing is, I felt like I, I'm guilty of it too. I, I, I'm like, I mean, I, I'm, we fill our days intentionally as to get a lot accomplished but I feel like so many times we fill our days intentionally to get a lot accomplished you know, of, of whose agenda, uh, of whose task list, of, of whose, whose, whose desires. And so we sit here in Acts 3. So if you want to read with me, Acts 3, 1, here it is. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. So they're, they're headed to a prayer service. They're, this is a part of their normal day. They're excited. And as they approached the temple... A man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put in beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg for the, for, for the, from the people uh, for money. For, 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 so he could beg going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John, this is like the, the key point here. This is the key thing you want to look at. Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. So they, they paused everything. They took a time out. They knew that this was divine moment from the Heavenly Father. They knew that they were on the way to do something incredible, but God had given them this opportunity to make a difference. So they, they, continue, our, they continue here and they say, the, lamb, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking 
and heard him praising God, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had so often seen at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the, the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. You know, in, in this passage, I feel you, you learn so much from Peter and John. We see the, here that a, a wise man once told me, ministry happens when you're on the way to do something else. This wise man right here. Ministry happens when you're on the way to do something else. So many times it's like, man, I'm, I'm going to, to do something incredible. I've got this huge thing that, that God has tasked me to do. These guys were on their way to a prayer service. They're, they're on their way to, to a service to, 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 to pray for those around them. And they're like, they took a time out. They paused. They stopped because God had a bigger plan in that moment. And uh, when, when I think about this, this story, I think about a timeout. A timeout in football. In, any football fans in the house? You know, football is fat, back, you're excited. Maybe not back for the Eagles, but it's back. Um, but, but it's crazy, because when you think about a timeout, a timeout comes at one of the most important parts of the game, right? A timeout happens when it's like, hey, we have a big play coming up, and we need to make an important decision. Let's talk through this. Let's, let's figure out exactly the, the right play to, to, to call in or the, exactly the right time to, to, to do this. And the other thing is you only have three timeouts in a football game. It's almost like you're waiting in anticipation for the right moment, the right time to use your timeout. And, and when I was thinking about that, it's like, man, what if we walk throughout our day that same way? Knowing that, man, God is going to give me divine appointments today as I'm walking throughout life. And I, I'm going to be watching out for those moments, you know, because, because when, when God says, hey, here, this is, this is the time where you're taking the timeout. This is the time where I've given you this opportunity if we were ready for God to do what only he could do. If we were ready to be used by the Heavenly Father. What, what if we walked throughout life that way? What if that was us? So excuse number one, I'm too busy. I don't have time. Man, what if we intentionally created space? It wasn't a thing where, man, after work, I know I get to get to the grocery store and it takes me 10 minutes to get to the grocery store. Um, but I'm gonna give myself, you know, 12 minutes, so I've got a little bit of wiggle room. You know, what, what if we created space, created time? Hey, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go knowing that, man, you're gonna give me someone along the way. You're, you're gonna give me something for, for me to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna intentionally create space. Excuse number two it's hard, it's difficult. I, I face some opposition, and I've, I've been in a spot where maybe it, it didn't go right. And it's crazy because this is what happens all of a sudden in the early church. If we, if we turn to Acts 5, it says this. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. So things are going well, things are going grand, things are going great. And then all of a sudden, a couple of verses later, you see this in Acts 5, 17. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. So the first thing you see here is that, man, God has tasked these, these apostles to go and do, but then they face opposition. They're arrested. They're put in jail. They're, they're put in chains. But then... The huge but here, you see that God comes through. 
God, God, God fights for them. Just as we were talking about in, in Defender, as we praise, as we, as we worship, as we do, God comes in and fights on our behalf. And, and you see God fighting here for them. You see God making a way. And the thing that I felt like God was telling me at, after reading this passage was, so many times we face opposition, and that's it. We face opposition, and we face opposition, and then we stop. And, and I felt like God was telling me, no, you're, you're stopping too early. You're stopping too soon. Because these men, you see that God always comes through. If he's tasked you, if it's from him, he's always going to come through. He's always going to come and fight on your behalf. Because he's given you the task. So as you continue, you, you, as you continue reading here, in Acts 5, 25, uh, the, the, the leaders have assembled and summoned for the apostles to have a trial. They don't, they don't know that they, they're out of jail yet. And it says, then someone arrived with startling news. These men you put in jail are standing in the temple, teaching the people. I mean, these leaders got to be like, again? Like, we just put them in jail. Like, what are they doing? They haven't learned their lesson. Probably all my parents are like, yeah, I get that with my kids. Like, they haven't learned their lesson here. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid that people would stone them. So they were arrested again. Here's some more difficulty here. Some more difficulty. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. We must obey God rather than any human authority. You see from, from these men, from these apostles, despite opposition, they're like, hey, my, my authority is to the Heavenly Father. Who I serve and reign is, is God. And, and you see that, man, that nothing can hold them back because they've experienced that if God is for me, who can be against me? That, that verse of, man, God is always walking before my every step. The things that he's tasked me to do, he's tasked me to cause and effect, man, he, he's going to walk before me. He's going to be my footsteps, my, the lamp before my feet. So continuing the story, we, we quickly see excuse number three. So as we resume, the high council was upset and decided to, to even kill these apostles. But one member of the leadership said this, my advice is to leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely in their own, on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if, God, but if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. Amen. And I feel like that's our excuse, excuse number three. I'm not good enough. We, we don't think we have it in us. But, but you see it right here. This, this ungodly man even, even knew it. But, if, but if, if God, but if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. Yeah. And for me, I feel like this is, this is one of the, the, the biggest excuses. Probably, I mean, if you're reading my life, this is it. That I, I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this, what you, what you called me to do. You called me to do something so, so, so beyond me. You know, I'm just this, this small town boy from Nebraska. Like, you know, what, what can I do? And so many times we give ourselves those excuses, but it, but it takes that one moment of courage, that one moment of, of stepping out 
And as you step out, you see God coming through. As you step out, you see God saying, hey, look, look what you can do when, when you trust me, when you, when you rely on me, when you, when, when you know that I'm there right beside you. So God has tasked us, what God has tasked us to do is not ours to carry. And when he calls you, he equips you. So as we continue reading, Acts 5.40, the others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them again never to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. You know, just keep in mind, they were just flogged here. They were, they were just beat. But they left rejoicing, knowing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach the, the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. They caused an effect. And the crazy thing is, these were ordinary men, fishermen, you know, a tax collector. Like, these were ordinary men. So many times, that excuse of, I'm not good enough. I don't have it in me. God, you want me to do what? You want me to go talk to that person? But God, I'm introverted. Like, I don't talk to people that I don't know. Hey, God, really? Them? Like, God, you want me to do that? Wouldn't this person over here be better at it than I am? Like, don't they have the skills that maybe I don't have? But God is saying, no, we are all meant to cause an effect. God has tasked us all to make a difference, to shine the light, just like we talked about in the beginning, for his glory, for his goodness. Then we come to excuse number four. You guys still good? You still there? Yeah? You're not sleeping? Go, go ahead and just tap your neighbor. Hey, hey this, this is good stuff. Make sure you're paying attention here. Yeah, there you go. Excuse number four. Can you tell I'm, I'm a, a youth pastor? I got to make sure that everyone's not sleeping, you know, like they're washing with their eyes. Their eyelids aren't shut. Excuse number four. Someone else will help them. Someone else got this. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm good. Like they, they can do this. And it's crazy because the, one of the things I wrote down here is that comfort is the enemy of Christianity. Comfort, comfort is the enemy of being a man of faith. Because when you get comfortable, it's, it's that slow fade of, oh man, I'm good. Like, I've almost, I'm, I've arrived. Like, I feel good. Like, life is going great. Life is going awesome. And then you just get to that slow fade of just sinking back in the chair and you're comfortable. And, and when you're comfortable, there's not a spot for you to go and do. There's not a spot for you to, to make a difference, to, to shine for, for the Lord. And even, I'll, I'll go on as far as to say, is when you comfort, when, when you're in a, your, your comfort zone, when you're in that place of, man, I'm good, then you stop needing God. You stop needing that, that Heavenly Father to, to help you because it's in your own strength. And you, and you see this here in the story of the, of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. It said, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish, a, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, a religious man, came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant, another religious man, walked away or walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. 
Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And and you see here that, man, someone else will help them. I mean, I'm comfortable. Like, I'm going to do something. I'm good. Someone else will help them. And and you see that these were religious men, but they, they had religion in their heart. It was this thing where, it was just a thing where I'm gonna go and do, like, it wasn't a, hey, God is with me, let me help. I mean, this is what God has done for me in my life. I want the same for those around me. I want them to experience what I've experienced in Christ. Someone else will help them. And it makes me think of of last week. Anybody still have their their rubber band from last week? Yeah, mine mine broke, I had to tie it. Like, it, it made me think of, Landon's message is in the stretch. Man, because being stretched, just like Landon talked about last week, isn't comfortable. It, is, it isn't easy. But you find purpose in the stretch. You, you find purpose in, in saying, hey, here I am. Use me. It's in the stretch. And one of the things he said is, we're not, we are of no use in a resting state. Just like that rubber band, when he laid it on, on that table, it was not of any use. Do you use a rubber band when you, when you tie it around something to hold things together? That's the same thing with us. Billy Sunday says this, get somebody else for Jesus Christ and you'll get a new vision of life, a new vision of what it means. And then excuse number five, last one, it says this, I'm tired. I'm tired. Man, I just need a nap. I'm tired. And for some reason, it's crazy because I feel like for this one, it applies so many times to our seasoned veterans a lot of time, maybe the ones with a little bit more gray hair. Like, I'm tired. I've been at this for a long time. You know, I'm tired. And you see here in Galatians 6, 7, it says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You see it right here. Let's not become tired of doing what is good. Let's not grow weary in doing what is good because it says right here, we will. Not, hey, you you might, you could, it's a possibility. No, we will reap a harvest of blessing. The big if, if you don't give up. If you don't say, hey, I'm tired, like I'm good, someone else will help them, it's all right. No, I'm tired. If, if you don't give up. It makes me think of um, running a a marathon. Anybody ever ran a, a marathon before? No, no. <laughs> it's difficult. I, I don't blame you. I wouldn't run a marathon. I haven't run a marathon. But it's crazy because there, there, it's different. A marathon and a sprint is a completely different race. Right? And you have to train completely different for a marathon and a sprint. And it's funny because I'm a track coach. And one of the things I always tell my, my runners is don't look to the left or the right and definitely don't look back. Because when you look back, that's when you slow down. 
And it's the same thing as, as this faith, this life of faith is, is described as, as being a marathon, where you're continuing on, where, where you've come to this point of, I don't know if you've ever been here before, where you're running and you've got that pit in your stomach. You're like, I can't keep going. You know, ever experienced that before? Maybe you've run the, the mile growing up. And it's like, oh man, I feel like I'm gonna pass out. But you just kind of kind of push through. It's the same thing here. Man, run, run this life of faith as a marathon. Continuing on, hey, this, 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 this is difficult, this is hard. I know that God is gonna come through. I know that God is always on my side. And as I continue to run, as I continue to push forward, God is gonna come through and I'm gonna see an impact in those around me. I'm gonna cause an effect. Because when you cause an effect, it's almost like when you, when you have dominoes. Anybody ever played with dominoes before? Like maybe, maybe like a Thanksgiving or Christmas when all the family's around, you gotta make that, that big train of dominoes and it goes up the books and then down the books and then maybe on the ground. And you're like, no, 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 don't, no, nobody touch the table because it's all gonna fall. But the, the thing is, I mean, we're, we're that first domino, right? As you push that domino over, it impacts, it affects the next domino right? It's that domino effect. And then that next person is like, hey man, this is, this is so cool. Like I'm experiencing life. You know, you see, I love seeing even new believers like, I'm so pumped because I'm experiencing life. Like God is so good. And they, they have to impact, they have to affect that next person, that next domino. And then you have the domino effect. And, and you see that all that, that Christ is doing, you see, experience a life in the church. You experience a life in this place. And that, that's, what, that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to cause in effect, to make a difference. So I simply wanna ask you this morning, what are your excuses? What are, what are, the, what are the things that it's like, man, this, these things are getting in the way for being fully used by the Father, for allowing Him to work completely in my life because I know that I, I have a purpose and my purpose is to cause an effect, to impact my neighbor, to show them the love of Jesus Christ for them to experience what I've experienced. So I was, I was reading this book and, and, and maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, man, one of these excuses is mine or maybe it's something different or maybe it's even, man, my, my, the thing that has gotten in the way is a sin that I, I just can't get, get rid of or something that, that, is, that has tainted me as, as a spiritual being. And the, the, the thing is, I was reading this book and it's called The Man That God Uses. And Henry Blackaby says this, as the Spirit does His work in your life, your character will begin to relinquish all the impurities that have hindered you from God's use. Like a pure diamond, you will brilliantly reflect Christ's light to all those around you. You'll brilliantly reflect Christ's light to all those around you. And this made me think of the four C's. If you've ever been diamond shopping, that's the first thing they'll tell you. The four C's, color, carrot. I don't even remember the other ones. Cut. But it's funny because when I, when I began to go diamond shopping for my wife for our engagement ring, I thought I knew something about diamonds. I thought about, I knew something about picking out a ring. But it's crazy because I get to the shop and I see the, the price range of diamonds. I'm like, I've, I've got no idea what I'm doing here. Like, I, mean, I need an education. And um, it's crazy because you begin to look at diamonds and you see how differently, how different diamonds are. You begin to look into one diamond, it's like this, this muddy, murky, like you can't hardly see anything in there, like it's, it's crazy. And then you look at a, a different diamond and you're like almost blinded because you can't even look at it, you know, into the diamond enough. And it's crazy because I feel like that's, that's so many times can be us. 
Like we can get so muddy and murky and, and God needs to do something in us to, to clear us out, to remove those excuses, to remove those things that we, so that we can shine brilliantly for God, so that we can reflect his light, his love. So if, if you guys would stand with me real quick, here's what I want us to do. The Lord brought me to Psalm 139, real quick, Psalm 139, 23. And it says this, it's a prayer that David prayed. The Psalmist David, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And it's crazy because the Psalmist David, he was writing this just before all this, he's saying he's overwhelmed with thankfulness to the point of asking God, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't, shouldn't I hate those who hate you because I'm so overwhelmed by your goodness? And he knows that in reality, that's not right. He shouldn't hate those who hate the, who hate the Father. He should reflect his light, his love. And so he's asking him, hey, search me because I know that's not right. That's my, that's my first inclination is, hey, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? But, but God, I know that's not right. So point those things out in me that aren't right, that aren't of you. So I just simply want us to ask God that question this morning. Search me, oh God. Because so many times there's things in me that I don't even see, but you see it, you know it. And so just I'll take a moment and just, just ask God, hey, search me, search me right now, Father God. Show me the things that I don't even see, God. The things that are hindering me from being a, a complete reflection of who you are the things that have gotten in the way, God. Maybe it's over time, God. Maybe it's because I've been at this thing for so long and I'm just tired. God, I wanna be a pure reflection of you. God, would you search my heart, God? Show me those things that aren't of you. And would you take those this morning, God? Because I wanna cause an effect. I wanna, I wanna go back to being that first domino. God, search my heart, Jesus. God, I love you, Lord. I just wanna reflect you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be a pure reflection of who you are, God. Yes, just a pure reflection of who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Because here's my prayer. My prayer is this. Jeremiah 29. And this is funny because this is the verse that, that my youth group is like, this is like their verse. But it says in Jeremiah 29, but if I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. And that's the thing is, man, if, if we all lived there, man, we were worn out just trying to hold in what Christ has done. Just trying to hold in the goodness of God. If we all lived there, man, watch out. Watch out for, for our area. Watch out for the city. Watch out, man. If we all live there. Wow. Wow. Man. So that's just my prayer for, for this church, for this house. Um, before we go any further, though, and maybe you're sitting here like, man, I need what you're talking about. I need even just a fire in my heart. Man, something's not right. Something just, it hasn't been right for quite some time. I just, I want a relationship with God. I want to step into the goodness of God, because I, I know that I need that. I know I need what you're talking about. If that's you this morning, man, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to, to walk in fullness of who God is. 
So if, if that's anybody in the house this morning, let me just pray for you real quick. Just, just go ahead and signal by the raise of your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Anybody say, hey, God, that's, that's for me. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? I want a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Yeah. Cool, let's all pray together. God, we, we thank you for your goodness this morning, God. Lord, thank you for capturing our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, thank you for saving us, Lord God. Lord, thank you for, for impacting each and every one of our hearts, Lord God. But I pray that we would just, as we, we love you, as we accept your forgiveness and your grace and your goodness, Lord God, would we go and reflect that to those around us, I pray, God. Would you just make a way in our hearts, God. Make a way in, in what you want to do, Jesus. We love you, Lord. God, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for, for, for those that are being saved right now, God. For those that are experiencing your love, maybe for the first time right now, God. Maybe even those watching, God, experiencing your love for the first time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I just want to, we're, we're going to go back into the course of Defender here. And I just want to take a second, take a moment, and to, to begin to talk to God about those things that maybe he revealed to you today. Those things that's like, hey, man, Search my heart, God. You're showing me these things. Let's begin to just to deal with them. Let's begin to just to, to say, hey, God, I, I need to get those, get those things out so I can reflect you. So let's, let's go into that chorus real quick. Just spend some time just letting God do what he wants to do. Thanks for listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.